Welcome to the Bad Tutors Podcast. If you're here for the newest up-to-date and accurate information on the nerdy topics that are near and dear to your heart, well, let me tell you, you ended up in the wrong place. Here, we are all about hot takes and grandiose displays of misinformation, so stick along for the ride and you might just blow a blood vessel or two. So Tyler, yeah. this week we're doing something very different than anything we've really done before. I don't know if we've done it. If we have, only once or twice we've done it. We're returning to a topic that we said that we'd revisit. Well, Unheard of. We've talked about going back to Malifaux. But yeah, very true, very true. We uh, uh, On average, we're not very good at it. We say that we're going to do something and then we just never fucking do it. But we're actually doing it this week. Listen, we have uh, ADHD minds that jump from <sighs> nerddom to nerddom. We really do. So this week, we're going to be talking about SCP again. But in this episode, it's going to be in a little bit less detail because we are going to be focusing in on just one SCP that I'm very into as opposed to the world setting as a whole. So well, while on, I'm first, going... First, mm-hmm. because I got a complaint about Wilson's intrusions. I just got him a new pheasant that honks. So if you hear it, uh, that's Wilson playing with his toy. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. All right, go ahead. So while I talk about this, uh, I'm going to be, at least at the beginning, trying to set a bit of a story, set a bit of a mood instead of just straight listing the facts about this SCP. Um, But I still will be telling it from like an objective perspective, not a point of view within the world of SCP, because that becomes a very different theming. So I will be reading excerpts from the SCP wiki, but I'm not going to be reading them through the lens of all of us are within the SCP world. This is just logs that I'm reading from the wiki. It's a small distinction in this context, but it I feel like it's still worth pointing out because that's like when I think about SCP content creators it's like are they set within the world are they set without the world and they're just like covering this as it is in a universe so as with the episode before we will be outside of the world of scp all right let's do it so with that covered we are going to start this out with an excerpt from the log of one eugene gets it's a little long so you gotta stick with me here so The unease was felt throughout the entire crew as we descended on that first night. Whether this was due to our uncertainty of what we would discover, or something more sinister, I would not speculate. As we continued to descend, Williams began sweating profusely. When asked about it, he could not respond, stating that he thought he was missing something he could not deduce. As our descent continued, he began to act more and more erratically, at one point addressing myself as Darlene and expressing uncertainty as to the tasks he was assigned to handle. Similar feelings were expressed by other members of the crew, but Williams felt it the most. His mimetic resistance was by far the lowest of all of us, but he was a biologist, not a mimeticist. When we finally came into contact with the entity, he began whimpering and had to be sedated. I remember him muttering the word no over and over again, as if in disbelief. He went silent after a while as we approached its head, and when I looked back at him, something had gone from his eyes. He did not 
he did not even so much as blink as we made our final descent. At around oh nine forty hours, we observed the head of this entity. The unease was palpable now. Several other crew members complained a feeling of of eh. the unease was palpable now. Several other crew members complained of feeling hazy and of being uncertain what they were supposed to be doing. Captain Ritter, ever the man's man, wrote it all off as nitrogen intoxication and forced them to continue approaching the entity. When we were within 50 meters, the entity slowly turned to look at us. Even now, as I recall watching this thing coil around in the darkness, I can still hear Williams barking like a mad dog in the rear of the vessel, screaming and flailing, shouting about how he could see it in his head, Perkins and Harrison tried to restrain him, but he got free and smashed his face in against one of the portholes. He hit it so hard, he cracked the inner layer of glass. The damage was bad enough that we had to surface. We tried to give Williams medical attention, but he was too far gone at that point. He had pulped himself against the glass, and despite the trauma, he still spoke briefly as he lay dying. Nobody recorded it. We didn't think to at the time, but... I remember it well enough. He said, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. By the time we had reached the surface several hours later, Williams was dead. At the time, I didn't think much about what he had said, just the ravings of a man gone mad by the depths, I figured. But I didn't know any better. But even now, I can still see the eyes of the creature. I see it hanging there in the darkness, illuminated by a light I cannot source, and I feel the lingering dread that Williams must have felt that night in the submersible, as he was overcome by whatever void that foul thing slithered out of. Now this was the first discovery of what we now know as SCP-3000. In 1971, in the Bay of Bengal, two Bangladeshi fishing boats and a number of fishermen were reported missing. This created a media storm in the country, as Bangladesh itself was only recently formed and people had begun to suspect that there was some kind of a foreign interference trying to uh, upset the balance of this new country. However, members of the SCP Foundation recognized a pattern between these disappearances and a similar case from just a few years back. After that initial expedition that we had just heard about, the Foundation sent out a team of top divers known as MTF Orion 9, or the Kingfishers. This is a special team that handles aquatic SCP anomalies, and this new expedition was to be done in dive suits, as to not have a repeat of the issue in the submersible where one person could possibly sabotage the entire mission for everyone else. So, we are now going to go through an audio log that we hear of the Kingfishers as they communicate with the scp foundation the kingfishers are referred to throughout as alpha bravo and foxtrot as they slowly lose their minds as they approach scp 3000 they describe how visibility is almost non-existent even with their headlamps on a viscous black substance fills the water around its head and they for begin to forget why they are there and even their own names as they attempt to maintain communication with the foundation 
they are able to get within about 150 meters of the creature before Foxtrot is eaten by it. Intermixed with Alpha and Bravo slipping into insanity, Foxtrot says this before meeting his end. All, all I can see is darkness. There's a chill, foul wind blowing, pushing me towards a brink I can't see on the edge of nothingness. Inches from oblivion, there's a, there's a sickness in my mind that I know can't be cured. Beyond me is only blackness and a single pair of eyes. Silence. Only silence. My consciousness coming undone and only and only and only and only the eel remains. After this, Alpha is the next to go leaving only Bravo to find some manner of lucidity before meeting his own demise in the Maw of the Beast. And Tyler, this is the interactive part of the broadcast where yes, I'm going to have you read the point of command in our uh, little community theater that we have here. <clears throat> okay, I, I will be reading as the part of Bravo in this case, uh, going back and forth with the SCP Foundation. This is Bravo. I'm... I'm floating in the dark. I can see shapes moving through the fog, but they're hard to make out. I cut my tether. Alpha wouldn't. I think he's gone. I don't see his light anymore. Acknowledged. We're coming to... Hang on. Just let me think for a second. Cognition. This thing... It doesn't work around it. Your brain can't form thoughts. It hurts. It's like dying. And Bravo. Do you have eyes on the entity? It's in my head, guys. Coiled up in there like a snake, and something about it is caustic. I can see it just in front of me. It's not doing anything. It's... It isn't moving. Just hanging there with its mouth open. I think it's finished eating. That fluid is seeping through the skin around its head. About a meter back just looking at the stuff is making me like the room is spinning i feel nauseous my head isn't working right there's an abortion under the floorboards and another in the seat wait this is wrong that wasn't me who said that my i'm going to collect a sample hang on bravo we're gonna send a crew out to get you just hold on Oh, no. Don't do that. Not... You have to be trained to not feel the things I'm feeling. Otherwise, it will get into you. Maybe it will, anyways. Who knows? It feels like the end of the world down here, fellas. My heart is really going off the charts, and I think I might be dying. Just... Got a sample. I'll attach it to one of those little balloons and let it float up. You'll be able to get it later. Don't spend too much time around that stuff. It... It doesn't... Your mind... It... Bravo. I think I'm dying. I'm dying. I know I'm dying. That... This is it. I just want to get away from here, you know. It occurs to me. Don't send anyone else out here. It's too dark. Bravo. So... That wraps up 
that transcript as well of uh the last known contact with the kingfishers before anything was retrieved from scp 3000 so with the kind of layout and establishment of scp 3000 i am going to get into the more objective side of talking about this scp but first of course that was a lot of fucking information and dialogue tyler you got anything to add to that uh i mean besides the obvious lovecraftian sort of vibe to it um we got a uh isn't that a there's an abortion under the floorboards isn't that a quote from somewhere is it? I certainly didn't recognize it. You could yeah, definitely be yeah. right. Um, oh, it just shows up in a bunch of SCPs. Yeah, so there's oh, an abortion yeah, one under in the, the floorboards. Yeah. And there's one in the sink, too. Um, I guess, Interesting. Let's see. I see SCP-1782. Yep, that's what I'm looking at. Maybe it's just, huh. a, maybe it's just a reference to that one. Yeah, just like a running joke with an scp or something interesting i'm glad that you caught that because i certainly did not i thought he was just going insane as one does one under the influence of this scp but yeah that i i might have to look into that a little more i'm certainly curious about it did do, do you want me to tell you a little bit about scp 72 real quick i mean Wait, 1782? Oh, 1782? Yeah, yeah. Okay. you got some stuff on it. I like kind of looked at it for half a second, but yeah, if you got some stuff, go for it. All right, so it's a room measuring 42 or 45 square meters in an abandoned apartment complex located in Kiev, Ukraine. Imprints mm-hmm. over the archway, entering the room, read, oh, God. Jedna Devat Osemd 198D. Oh, that's just D. That's just the letter D. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the room materializes empty. The sound of metal scraping against metal can be heard. A disembodied voice can be heard repeating the phrase, shakes me, makes me lighter. Um, the room appears with two partitions, including a bathroom housing only a toilet and a small rectangular entrance accessible through a small hole in the wall. The room is tinted a dull green with what appears to be cake, blood, and feces on certain sections of the walls. A man in an orange jumpsuit materializes instantly outside of the door with a television camera on his shoulder. Attempts to communicate with the entity are unsuccessful, although unorthodox. Or, I'm sorry, they are successful, although unorthodox. The entity asked uh, the doctor uh, that was studying it to produce a small television set stay outside of the cell so that he could record the girl in the wall in the bottom of the floor. Um, yeah, so I guess that's where this this one-liner came from. Hmm. That is... I don't know what to make of that. I'm going to have to go back and reread some stuff in SCP-3000's log, I think, to figure out if that's just like a fun little in-joke. I mean... As I said, we're, yeah, we're, we are not playing within the world of SCP is real. So like, it's very much not impossible that the writer of SCP 3000 and 1782 is the same person and they were just referencing their own other creation. 
Um, I'm not sure that I'm certainly interested in that though. Um, but out, outside of that, you got any got anything to add for this uh, kind of a different style of opening to the podcast? Uh, no. Besides, it was fun, fun little mix. I yeah, I kind of like it. I think for SCP stuff, kind of making a story around it is a good way to go for it because like you can just list details all day, but. It's not as fun always, so I, I, we, we'll see if we keep that up with other SCPs in the future. But, speaking of meticulous little de- details that I like to talk about, we're going to get into those now. So, SCP-3000 is actually a Thaumiel class entity, and is listed as a Class Eight cognitohazardous entity as well, which we'll get into what that is a little bit later, but it for a brief thing it's something that fucks with your head which clearly this one does and as with most thaumiel class entities uh very few people are even aware of the existence of scp 3000 i believe based mostly on the fact of what it is actually used for because if you recall a thaumiel class is one that actually helps the foundation in some way it's something that they use to either further their own goals or possibly help contain other SCPs. So this isn't just a big uh, thing that's sitting there. It actually, it has a purpose. So first we're going to go through the containment procedures for it. So the area where this SCP is located is patrolled by Foundation vessels at all times in a range of about... 300 kilometer radius within the Bay of Bengal and all civilian diving and any deep sea exploration is strictly prohibited within this area of course and any individuals that are thought to have even had contact with SCP-3000 are to be held within containment indefinitely as there is no known cure for the type of insanity or whatever effect it has upon people. Now, the Foundation has a submarine SCPF Iramida, is how I'm going to be saying it, that is set to monitor where the head of SCP-3000 is at all times, as well as carrying out the ATZAC protocol, which I will be talking about in a minute. So now next, a bit of a description. Uh, if you ha- have you read the description at all or skimmed it yet? Uh no. I'm I'm curious because I, I start out with podcast, uh, perfect for me? for once that's perfect. Um, so I have written here. You may have some kind of a picture in your head already, but I'll give you a full description. But I'm curious, what do you think SCP three thousand looks like based on what what I've told you and what you've now heard? Um. We got uh, a description of something that seems to resemble a Cthulhu-esque monster, a big Mm -hmm. uh, entity with a giant mouth. So maybe it's like, I don't know, tentacle face, like a mind flayer or something like that. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Uh, He did say something about... um, what did he say? Bravo said something about 
Uh, the quote you're looking for is with Foxtrot. Oh, it's Foxtrot. Oh, only the eel remains. Only the eel remains. It's just a little slithery boy. Maybe not little, but... I was going to say, it is a slithery boy, but I would not describe it as little. So, what the Foundation has documented it to resemble is more or less a moray eel in kind of how it looks. But only in looks, because in size, it is thought to be anywhere between 600 to 900 kilometers in length where its head is about two and a half meters in diameter and its sections of its body are can be about 10 meters in diameter so all things considered it's around eight to 15 feet in diameter ish with very rough conversions and you know 900 kilometers nice just a little fucking massive just just a little little slithery boy he's just slithering around yeah on top of this um simply absurd size uh it is said to be incredibly sedentary moving its head only to react to any kind of stimuli or during feeding but while i say feeding it is carnivorous and can move quite quickly when it needs to, even though it rarely moves at all. But the Foundation actually hypothesizes that this creature doesn't actually need to eat to survive at all. But they have observed that when it eats, it excretes a substance that was mentioned in the dive of the Kingfishers. And this substance is now known as Y909. So being listed as a cognitohazardous entity, this means that any direct observation of SCP-3000, as well as simply being in its vicinity, can cause any number of mental alterations, including inexplicable head pain, paranoia, general fear and panic, as well as memory loss or full memory alteration. So he's kind of like a big, spooky, scary boy, and uh, as I've said, this is absolutely an essential SCP to the SCP Foundation in the modern day. And you might be asking yourself, well, why the fuck is it listed Thaumiel? We haven't really said. Uh, I would certainly think that the 600 kilometer minimum Moray eel would at least be considered difficult to contain. And it sounds very spooky and scary. So you'd think it'd be a Keter scp but it's not so before i say exactly what it's used for to keep a little more suspense with this um i am going to outline a very brief explanation of the atzac protocol as it is executed so first members of mtf epsilon 20 or the night fisherman will prepare a d-class personnel for the procedure by administering a sedative and putting him in a high-pressure diving suit. That D-class is then put into the airlock of the SCPF uh, Eremita and is connected to an underwater ROV or remote-operated vehicle, and I only say that because I had to look it up. I think I'm the stupid one that didn't know what that meant. 
Um, the ROV will then deliver the D-Class to the designated feeding area and detach from him or her and return to the Eremita. From there, the crew of the ship will monitor SCP-3000's position and ensure that it does not move too far from the feeding site and will receive any updates if necessary from the Foundation should different courses need to be set. Now, during this feeding session, absolutely under no circumstances are any personnel permitted to leave the Eremita without very specific authorization. And then finally, after this feeding session is over and the total consumption of the D-Class personnel is finished, SCP-3000 will begin to excrete Y-909 from its head and neck. I believe it calls it the foremost region within uh, the actual entry, but it's from the head. It's pretty well said and everything else, so I don't know why they got had to call it that, other than to sound scientific, I suppose. So, it, of course, you might be saying everyone goes fucking insane when they're by this thing, and especially in the goo, how are they able to do it? So they've realized, through research, of course, that for about two and a half hours after something is consumed and the digestion process occurs, they really don't know much about that. They know that the production of Y909 is a byproduct of it, but they don't know if that's the end result or if that's just a part of the digestion process it's 900 meters long uh, or kilometers long anything could happen within that thing's fucking body at that point the y909 might be its shit it might not be we really don't know but while it is producing that the typical effects of scp 3000 are dampened and personnel are able to approach close enough to harvest it. And they go in, take as much of it as they can, and once they have it, all of the Y909 should be put into secure containers before returning to the surface. Now, very similarly to this description, what do you think Y909 is at this point? Um... I don't know. It uh, makes people go insane, right? So, with it being, what is it, thaumiel? So that means it has mm -hmm. uses. Um, yep. Is it used to, probably used to secure another uh, anomaly, right? Not quite. While it does make people go insane, that is more of an effect of the SCP itself. What Y909 is used for is actually the production of very potent versions of the amnestics that the Foundation uses on a near, if not daily basis. If you recall, the amnestics are what they use to wipe memories out of oh, people yeah. that have seen things that they shouldn't have seen, whether it's civilians yeah, or, or members members of the foundation on their own, anything that shouldn't be seen. Uh, the amnestics are what they make to stop people from remembering those things. And they have found that Y909 
makes for a much more stable version of what was used previously. I do not know what was used previously. It doesn't say in the entry, but whatever it was, this new substance is far superior in many, many ways. Uh, the first thing that they state is that uh, amnestics made with Y909 break down 78% slower in cold storage as well as 52% slower in room temperature storage. Individuals treated with these kind of amnestics using Y909 have been shown to have a marked increase in suggestibility, memory clearance, and a significant decrease in additional side effects. And they are also shown to have many, uh, to have fewer intrusive memories, with some even boasting no intrusive memories whatsoever after 10 years. So this is obviously incredibly important to them to be able to continue to produce this substance and keep SCP-3000 in check and know where it is at all times. Luckily, it doesn't seem to move very much or have any real intention to, but uh, that's, that's, that's the whole thing. I just, I think that one's super interesting. So that's, uh, as I say here, uh, it's kind of the very long and short of SCP-3000. As always, there is just so much more I could talk about about this SCP, but we would be here all fucking day. Uh, personally, I think this is one of the more interesting SCPs, not only because the ocean kind of terrifies me at a very core level of my being, but I like SCPs that kind of build out the world more than just telling a story within it. We all love our uh, 682s and our infinite Ikeas, and there's a lot of fun in those, but there aren't as many that I have found personally. There's fucking thousands of them. I'm sure they're out there, but I haven't personally found as many that build the world as much as that one that the memory loss drug comes from, in my opinion. And it also as always, brings up the kind of moral questions that we have to confront when we're talking about SCP in general. Is killing people for this substance that the Foundation uses very consistently? I'm pretty willing to bet if you go into any entry, it's probably going to mention sometime that someone's mind got fucking wiped. So they use them all the time. Like I said, more multiple times a day every day at every location that they have if i were to guess so i couldn't find how often the atzac protocol needs to be performed but i imagine it has to be pretty fucking frequent to keep up with the demand of how much the foundation needs to use amnestics i don't know obviously how much one dose is compared to this and what the refinement process is. But I also, I didn't list all of the versions of amnestics that Y909 is used in just because I think dropping those terms just means nothing realistically. It's not like we didn't like go into the different ones. It's just the different classes, but I'm guessing that it's most of them. So like, as always, that's kind of the thing of the foundation. The life of one is 
less useful than saving the lives of many, but like they're definitely just going in and killing people very consistently, not for research, which you could have a different argument for, not that we're going to get into a whole fucking philosophy debate right now, but like there's always those things in a lot of these SCP entries that I, I just find those really interesting. And I this one's just cool, I guess. And it's just a big old guy. He's just a big old guy, and I, I like him. And that's, I mean, that that's pretty much it for me. Unless you got anything else to add to him. I just, I think that one's real fun. I really like SCP-3000. Yeah, I mean, with SCP, there's always, like, the uh underlying cruelty of the foundation where it's mm-hmm. um whether it's you know sacrificing people for amnestics or whatever um it's kind of like that uh that train car question where if there's four people tied yeah. on one train track and one on the other and the train is barreling for the four people and you can flip the switch to make it uh kill the single person it seems like the scp foundation always flips that switch but they take it to another level. It's like they flip the switch that uh, it still kills a single person, but like the train car does like a sick fucking loop-de-loop first. See, that's what I was actually going to say. I don't know if you've seen the version of that image where they pull the lever and it just turns sideways and skips <laughs> yeah. across everyone. Yeah, like that's board what, slides. That's I was, yeah. yeah, that's where I was going to go with that as well. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think that that's... A, a lot of what makes talking about SCP interesting, even if it's not something that is like an active discussion that you're having, it's just always like back of mind of like, oh, they're helping the world without the SCP Foundation. I think the world would probably be fucked. But like also they're crazy authoritarian, like killing hundreds if not thousands of people a day at the cost of this so like how how far are we willing to take it before it's like well you're really hurting things more than you're helping things and in fairness i would argue in this world the hurt would have to be fucking immense like there are multiple scps that if the foundation wasn't there it would for sure the world would end like with yeah. not not a question like it would like and you can say because even within the fiction of scp there are other foundations that argue that the way they're doing it is wrong and they would still contain these world-ending scps but like they without a doubt if someone wasn't locking down on these the world would be over. It's not a question. It's a fact. It's a statement of fact in this universe. Yeah, and if you look at um, one of my favorite SCPs, 2479, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but it is a, um, it's like a fairground where to gain admittance, you are given like an animal mask and you place that on your face and then you become very real like hybrid versions of whatever animal mask you're wearing um interesting something like that which is located in like the middle of like, i don't fucking know idaho i think is where it is mm. or maybe it's um like washington uh, state sherwood oregon okay oregon you know same fucking yeah. thing idaho yeah, washington, right around, oregon. Uh, yeah. middle of fucking no not a whole not a whole lot 
but like even then if they didn't have the use of like these amnestics uh that would could it would get out and people would lose their fucking mind and mm-hmm. uh there'd be like a huge huge issue there so even without factoring in oh we have to keep radio silence on these world ending anomalies there's also just the everyday ones that are just like a little bit fucked up and and shatters people's concept of reality that they have to keep um sort of in lock as well and wilson doesn't like that one at all wilson does not like that one. he does not sure. like scp 2479 no he's not a fan he thinks there's enough animals in the world already and there don't need doesn't need to be human animal hybrids he also doesn't like masks um oh true i put on an eye patch for halloween last year and he barked at me until i took it off it oh weird. really yeah it's Jesus. like just an eye patch but yeah anyway but yeah that was that was a good story i like this one very cool, yeah very i'm cool. I'm a fan of it, and I, I kind of like that style. It's a bit of a mix-up to us just... I don't want to say that I don't like us just, like, talking about things, obviously, but, like, we haven't had yeah, any, like, real story-style yeah. things, and I, I I think that for SCP specifically, that kind of really fits. If Certainly if I do any more going forward, that I'll be leaning on that for any retellings and teaching you guys about any new SCPs that I like. Yeah, and uh, I think I might also have some more story-driven episodes that I lead here. Um, I mm-hmm. I recently told you about a project that I did not realize the vast undertaking that it was because there's so little concrete information out there. But uh, I was kind of wondering gonna, about that. Yeah. I'm still gonna go forward with it to the best of my ability, and just we'll see where it takes us. I mean, hey. As with a lot of SCP things and things that we've done before, like Malifaux, if you get it out there, we might be one of the only people fucking covering it, realistically. Yeah. Especially knowing the property that you're going to yeah, talk about. Yeah, nobody cares we about We might this be part one of, of it, the only people talking about that'd be it. cool. It would. I'm interested to see how your research goes and see how it ends up for sure. But I believe with that... Uh, we're going to sign off here. We hope you have a great rest of your week, weekend, day, whenever you happen to be listening to this one. Uh, don't go near SCP-3000. And uh, from there, I've been Ian. And I'm always Tyler. And oh my god, SCP-2479 is the cat girl anomaly. <laughs> <laughs>